If I were only better at it, if I were only smarter, if I were only stronger in my recovery, my faith, my prayer life, my spirituality, how many times have we told ourselves that if we were only this or that, we could be better, do better, and live better? But what if our success comes from our failures, from our character defects, and yes, even through our weakness? I mean, just what if? Well, strength made through weakness is this week's topic on the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show coming up in... 3, 2, 1, 0... expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Monty Man. That's right. I'm telling you the truth, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you, baby. No. We're all the same. Saved by grace is the name of the game. That's right. Burdened down by the Allies. Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. We are here. We are all here. Tony's here. Morning. She's not feeling too chipper. No. No, but I'm not. here. But you're here. <laughs> yeah. Bruce is here. I hope she doesn't give us something. No, trust me. <laughs> she won't. And Marv is here. Yes, sir. Yes, and the kitty's here. Hi, Christy. <laughs> she looks so involved. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes, indeedy. So the topic this week is straight strength perfected through weakness or strength made through weakness. We're going to talk about that. We're actually going to open up the good book. Uh, for those of you who are not Christians, please hang in there with us because I think you're going to find value in this as well, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just some good common sense stuff here. Um, but I'm going to give you the scripture verse going to be referring to right off the bat. And for those of you who have Bibles, you may want to go there before we start. It is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 10. More commonly known to many as the... Uh, the paragraph referring to the thorn in the flesh. And we're going to be talking about that. Strength made through weakness. And don't you know, those of us in recovery have experienced weakness and strength. Mm. Um, but where does that come from? So we're going to be talking about that today. But before we do, I thought I would uh, whip this up a little bit here. You ready? Oh, no. <laughs> here, we, here we go. 
That's correct, friends. It's time for Take 12 Recovery Radio's Stupid Is As okay. Stupid Does News. <laughs> <laughs> That's an evil laugh. Yes. <clears throat> All right, so we got some Stupid Is As Stupid Does news for you. <laughs> some dumb uh, criminal stuff. So... For a trio of drug thieves, it was their lucky day. They broke into a home in Silver Springs, Florida, and discovered three jars of cocaine. Oh, Jesus. They looked it up, uh, or they took it home and snorted the contents. That's when they discovered that the jars were, in fact, urns, (gasps) and they were snorting the remains of the victim's husband and two dogs. Once again, what? Mark's oh, smiling. I've, I don't even, I've never seen cocaine, but I don't think it looks like ashes. You know? Really? <laughs> I thought it looked like sugar. Does it look like sugar? Powdered what? sugar. That's, Powdered that's, sugar? That's not real, is it? Yeah. It actually <laughs> it is. It made the magazine. It comes from uh, uh, RD.com, the 12 unluckiest dumb criminals ever. <laughs> yeah. How do you, you can't even give that back. When an attempted robbery at Lowell's Home Improvement Store went awry, Milton Hodges fled across the street and jumped a fence right into a Cypress Cove nudist resort and spa. (laughs) As the Orlando Sentinel pointed out, as one of the only folks wearing clothing, Hodges was easily spotted by police. (laughs) Kind of an opposite of last week's. I was about to say, was uh, the whiskey bottle guy there? Yeah. (laughs) So they, they, they found this guy because he was wearing clothes. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see here. Um, it's <laughs> crappy luck, you guys. I'm I know. sorry. That is just crap. Oh, Don't you hate it when you suck? Kind, kind of a letdown after <laughs> last week. It is a let. It is a letdown, isn't it? I don't think anything can top last week, guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> I agree. Okay, here's here's this will cheer you up. We'll close out with this one. Don't you hate it when you suffer a heart attack and think you're going to die, so you confess to se- to a 17 year old murder, only to find out you're not going to die. <gasps> <laughs> and then you get sentenced to life in prison as a result. Yeah, well, so does James Washington in Nashville because it happened to him. Mm. My conscience. I, before I go, I have to tell you that it, I murdered my neighbor Fred. Two years ago. Um, <laughs> sir, you're just having heartburn. <laughs> just shut up. Don't say anything. Plead the fifth for once. Jesus. Oh, oh my God. goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> go to Mexico and just never come back. So it, it, there, there's no lack of stupid criminals and dumb <laughs> dumb moves that people make, especially the guy from Fairfield. Or what, no, was it Fairfield? Was it Fairfield? Yeah. yeah. Fairfield. I Calvary. know it was in Idaho. Yeah, uh, that was in Idaho, right? Walter shook his head. He's like, really, Idaho? Well, here's some news for concern. This isn't in the stupid, dumb, stupid criminal thing. Uh, this is it was shifting gears a little bit. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole article, but but uh, Tony sent me an article from the Albany Democrat Herald. <gasps> oh, the other I was day. wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, well, so here is the um, the top six states. Now, it actually did all fifty states, but here's the top six uh, with the most horrendous alcohol problems of all the states. This, These are the top six. 
Uh, and we know alcohol. I mean, we, we hear a lot about opiates lately and so forth, but alcohol is still leading the procession. Mm-hmm. Has well, tobacco actually is. It kills more people than any other drug. But alcohol is running a close second. So number six, coming in at number six, is our beloved state of Oregon. Oregon is number six in leading uh, alcohol-related deaths. Um, number five is New Hampshire. Number four is Rhode Island. Number three is Colorado. Number two is Vermont. Any guesses what number one is? Would it be on the East Coast? No, actually not. Mm-hmm. West Coast, yeah. California. Getting warmer. New Mexico. I believe that. New Mexico. Oh, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. I think that yeah. was the only useful piece of information in that article. Yeah. Well, it just it just reflected it. It, it reminded us once again the enormous impact that alcohol has on yeah. our our society the guy yeah. that sponsored my sponsor that sponsored my sponsor sponsor right went to mexico and uh that's where he's at and he's trying to teach people is that right kind of like what we're talking mexico about or here. new mexico new mexico new mexico yeah kind of like what we're talking about the topic today that's a lot of sponsors mm-hmm. isn't it like four over you said three three oh, okay. is great that's great. like a lot of sobriety right there. Great, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great. Great, great, great. What? Great, great, great sponsor. Yeah. Uh, Twice removed. Twice removed. <laughs> like cousins. Yeah, I, I, I just gave his tapes away to a girl that is uh, trying to take people through the book. To nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is high time for this. Okay, it's time. Take 12 the Country Radio Trivia. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here we go. Here we go. God, I ruined it on myself. (laughs) Okay, take it away. Yeah, yes, I will. Yeah, Bruce goes, yeah, please take it away. (laughs) Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Little white dove or whatever it was. Boom, boom. I almost hit a dove on the way here. Well, it almost hit me. Right over here? On the street? Right over here? No. Bruce Bruce is talking about a song. Oh, that's... Oh, (laughs) (laughs) By by an Indian. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was just That shows you our age. (laughs) What are you talking about? Years and years ago. Yeah. Little White Dove. Is that a song? On the banks of the river. Oh. oh. The Gitchy well, Gumi. What's, what's the name of that song? <laughs> talking about a dove that drew in my car. I don't know. What, the, the drums flow. The drums reminded me of it. It was before cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smartphones. Uh, well, it was before your cell phones. I can tell you that. All right. Can you, <laughs> who can cluck like a chicken? Oh, I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, Bruce it's the sound job. of all sounds. All right, Marv, try it. Oh, come on. Come on, Marv. Uh, Cluck like a chicken. Okay. <laughs> How are you, Tony? No. <laughs> no. Come I on. can do Chewbacca, though. Oh, no. That's a duck. Chewbacca is not a duck. Chewbacca is a Star Wars. I'm trying to think of a chicken. I don't know. I, uh, ch- ch- 
chicken. I say, I say. <laughs> bok, bok. bok. I, say, I say, boy. <laughs> I say, boy. Oh, wrong. I say, boy. Get, <laughs> get away from me. You bother me, boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here's chicken trivia. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is according to uh, backyardchickens.com. Right? Here's That's your a oh, website. Knock it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wish I had a cluck sound. Um, all right. So, <laughs> uh, number one, chickens are a member of what family? Here are your choices. Pheasant, crane, or owl? What do you say, Bruce? Pheasant, crane, or owl? Pheasant, crane, or owl? I'll go with pheasant. Pheasant? Okay. What do you say, Tony? I have no idea what a crane is, so I'll go owl. You know, a whooping crane? There's big old things out in the field that oh. with the long legs. Like that lift stuff? What? Oh, I'm thinking crane like the okay, never mind. So a crane's right. a bird. <laughs> yes, a crane is a bird. Okay. How is a chicken a part of a piece of bird, machine? Bird, I thought bird. that was like the, the odd answer word. that you know is wrong. Yeah, I know that song. <laughs> bird, bird, bird. Yeah. A crane should be our national bird, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. What do you say, Marv? Pheasant, right. crane or owl? I'm gonna go with pheasant. Pheasant. You would be correct. It is uh, pheasant, Bruce. You're right. <laughs> Tony, Did you're you just out there somewhere. Uh the chicken is actually a member of the pheasant family, Gallus domesticus, <laughs> as chickens are more scientifically known, is a domesticated species of the red jungle fowl. The red jungle fowl is a member of the pheasant family that is native to Asia. Asia. What was that? Sorry. Somebody's phone's going off. I thought I turned it on. Off. All right. Number two. Do uh, chickens... uh, No. uh, Yeah. Do chickens have a language or do they just make a lot of noise? What do you think? I think they just make noise because they're annoying. Just make a noise? Yeah. Well, you you know, we humans have a language and we're annoying. Well, that's different because we're not chickens. Oh, that, ooh, <laughs> good point. What do you think? Do they got they got a language, Bruce? Or are they just? I, I don't think they have a language. No language. What do you think, there, uh, Marv? Uh, I I kind of think they do. It might be simple, but uh, well, uh, chickens are chatty. There are more than thirty known types of vocalizations, including different vocalizations to coincide with different predator threats. You know that. When you hear chickens making all that racket, they may just be talking about you. Mm. Yeah, they do definitely have a language. Do horses? Mm. Now, oh, you know, yeah. I should have... Body uh, language. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have went the other way on that because I know they talk kind of funny when they're in the pins with the rooster and he's <laughs> running around. You'd be talking funny, too. <laughs> like pigs on pig legs. Yeah, but they do, they, they do a lot of action. Shouldn't, <laughs> well. Shouldn't we have Colonel Sanders <gasps> yeah. here to... Really give us the He's truth. dead. Oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> we can channel him. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> number three, uh, chickens are smarter than, and here's your choices. Oh, me. <laughs> are they smarter than puppy dogs, monkey babies, or human babies? What chickens <laughs> are they? Are they- <laughs> I'm gonna say puppy dogs, puppy dogs, yeah. monkey babies. Monkey babies? What do you say, Bruce? Monkey babies, human babies, or pup dogs? Oh, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey babies. There's two of I those mean, are smarter than a chicken, right? <laughs> what? It's a crane. Yeah, a crane. <laughs> a crane. <clears throat> what do you say, Bruce? Puppies, monkeys, humans. Monkeys. 
right. Well, you're all wrong. Chickens are smarter than human babies. Italian researchers have successfully demonstrated (laughs) that young chicks have a sense of object performance from as early as two days old. Human babies don't reach this milestone until they are around six to seven months. Who says so? Uh, Italian researchers. Italians. Italians. Tony's. Tony's Tony's nationality. Leave it up to them. (laughs) Crazy people. Yeah. What do they know about chickens? (laughs) They don't. Chicken parmigiana. Oh. All they Um, do is cook them. You don't want. No, no, no. They all don't cook. Do they act like them? They're not smarter than them. Well, if I don't cook them, I'll eat them. If I don't cook them, I'll eat them. You eat raw chickens? No, if I don't cook the like, if I have somebody else cook it, because I'm the only talented woman who can't cook. Remember? Oh, I'm that's right. I'm the golden arches. Yeah, my dad is so sad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I understand. I understand. All right, here's your bonus: chickens can do some incredible things. Yes, they can. One of which is a say "I love you" in English if trained properly. <laughs> it may be true. B live a long time with no head. Or C, keep time to a waltz and dance with grace when in a room alone. Just, I'll go with the first one because I don't... <laughs> Say I love you in English if trained <laughs> properly? Okay. What do you think, Mark? <laughs> Without the head. Without the yeah, head? Yeah, I agree with Mark because I saw something Yeah, you that. guys are correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike the Headless Chicken. They're not alive. Yeah, actually they are. Mike the Headless Chicken was documented to have lived for 18 months after being beheaded. Apparently as long 18 as, months? Yeah. Apparently Jeez. as long as you don't sever the brain stem and are willing to provide food through a dropper for the rest of its life, a chicken can live quite a while with no head. Why would and then you, you think that, that they have some brains <laughs> and that they can sing. Oh, and a waltz in a closed Why room. Why would you yeah, want a, a chicken like that? He, he does. He does all this. He does all this <laughs> without guy, a head. I think this is the guy with the bottle on his. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It, oh know, lord! His owner. Just he, go to backyardchickens.com. Oh god! And you know we don't claim any truth or false or anything to these things. <laughs> these are just provided by very oh, strange websites. Uh, yeah. So now, don't get any ideas. No, that, that, that was good. Yeah. Don't get any ideas. Oh, Lord. Keep a chicken alive for 18 months. <laughs> nah, does it for take 12 trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. And by the way, I think it's called THX. I think it's th- that music, the THX yeah. thing. Like when you buy a video and it tests your surround sound and that oh. comes on and goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, have a dead chicken with the head cut off do that so, so okay to, uh, this week's topic, topic is strength made through weakness strength made through weakness and I'm going to read this scripture verse and then we'll unpack it a little bit and I'll tell you why um, I thought about doing this topic um, I'll give you a little backstory on on uh, the apostle Paul Paul was um, without going into too much detail, was let's just put it this way: he was probably one of the most intelligent, most learned uh, men of theology as far as uh, the Jewish law goes um, in uh, New Testament times. Uh, he was um, in charge of a lot of things, including 
um, murdering unborn babies of <gasps> Christian women, including murdering men who were preaching the gospel. And I mean, he was out, and he thought he was doing God's bidding. He really thought he was. And so one day, he's bebopping along a road to a place called Damascus, and God appears to him in a blinding light and literally blinds him because don't you know that the glory of God, you can't see it without being affected. He's blinded temporarily, and God says, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Now, a goad is a very sharp stick that the shepherds would use to prod the sheep. You know, if they're being stubborn, they'd poke them in the back of the leg and they'd get moving. Well, kicking against the goad would be deliberately kicking against a very sharp object. And God asked him, why, why are you doing that? In other words, you know, why are you doing things contrary to what I'm trying to accomplish here? And uh, Paul realizes after this visitation from God that he has not been doing the Father's will, but just the opposite, and he has a conversion experience, and um, the story goes on. But with all of this, uh, you, you know, when people d- develop a relationship with their creator, uh, let's just take people in AA, for instance, or in, in Narcotics Anonymous, or even in church or any circles. If you're a loud person in your dysfunction, you're probably going to be a loud person in your recovery. If you're kind of a quiet guy, you're probably going to be quiet in your recovery. If you're, you know, are very social, you're probably going to be very social. I mean, some attributes about us don't change. Mm. Um, the heart changes, but some of our personalities and things, and we certainly know some of our character defects <laughs> don't go away real fast. No, One of the things that Paul carried with him was his uh, an immense knowledge. And um, he had been put in positions of high authority. And so he is sharing previous to this that um, God wanted to make sure that he kept Paul humble. And because of all this knowledge and all this stuff that Paul had, uh, God gave him something to keep him humble. And this is kind of a controversial thing in the church uh, amongst Christians because many, many believers, particularly in recovery, um, don't necessarily think that anything that's uncomfortable should come from God. (laughs) Uh, If it's uncomfortable, if it's negative, if it's painful, it must be from the enemy of our soul. Well, maybe it is, but maybe not like you think. So let's read this. Um, Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, that means all the stuff I was talking about, all his knowledge and everything, for this reason... To keep me from exalting myself, some versions say to keep me humble, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. And then he says what it is. People say, well, we don't know what it was. Well, specifically, whether it was a health issue, a pride issue, or whatever it was, um, this is where it came from. Mm -hmm. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, If you look in the Greek, it says, God gave me the gift of a messenger from Satan to torment me. So, did it come from the enemy? Yes, but ultimately it was directed by God himself. Now, that's not a very popular thing to talk about. Well, God wouldn't give you a messenger from the devil. He wouldn't give you a demonic being or a demonic influence to torment you, to keep you humble. Heaven forbid. But in fact, that's exactly what happened to Paul. 
He says, I don't think you're, I think you're putting a little bit into that, aren't you? No, well, it says it right there. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's a demonic being, it's a thorn from the demonic. It says a messenger of Satan. That was given to him by a messenger of Satan. No, it says, it uh, was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Okay, we'll debate that one on another show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, God used a satanic entity, because it says a messenger yes, of did. Satan. Yes, he did. To deliver this thorn in the flesh. Yes. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, yes, you may be right, but who's really behind it? Absolutely. God was behind it. Yes. Um, and it says, uh, and, and then it says, for what reason? To torment me. Mm. So those of us who go walking around saying God would never do anything to harm me or to torment me or to upset me or any of that. Well, according to this, he did it. But why did he do it? He did it to keep Paul humble. Mm. Well, then, but you got to read on. To keep me, to torment me, dash, that means there's two parts to this, to keep me from exalting myself. Mm-hmm. Because Paul had a tendency to do that. Concerning this, all right, that means about this issue, I implored, some uh, some uh, uh, versions of scriptures say, I begged, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would be removed from me. Uh, and he said to me, and this is what he said, this is the words of, God, of Jesus, because it's in red here, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. Most gladly, therefore, this is Paul, he says, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I want to unpack this part here because this is really, really not popular at all amongst Christian brothers and sisters that would say to us, well, don't call yourself an alcoholic. Mm. Don't say you're a drug addict. You're a new person in Jesus. Well, yeah, I am a new person in Jesus. But according to Paul, he boasts of this. So if I, if I, and, and we'll see what you guys think, but if I were to transfer this to my life, I boast of the fact that I've got weakness in my life. I boast of the fact, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And without God, I'm going to be in terrible, terrible trouble. Mm-hmm. Because God's grace is sufficient for me. And he says, most gladly, therefore. So he, he's glad to do this. He's, he, he's happy to boast of the things he's weak in. I will rather boast about my weaknesses. So what? But what, what's the reason? Not to exalt himself. Because remember, that's the whole point here. That the power of Christ may dwell in me. So for the power of Christ to dwell in me to the degree that it did with Paul, if I'm going to follow Paul's example, I need to be able to say, yeah, I have an issue with certain things in my life. Alcoholism is one of them. And I don't have to shy away from that and be embarrassed about that. I can actually (laughs) boast in it. Therefore, I'll be content in my weakness 
And then he adds these other things, insults, distress, perplexions, difficulties. Again, he says, for what? For Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Mm-hmm. So where does strength come from? Out of weakness. Out of weakness. I think it comes through working through that. That's like the other side. Because mm-hmm. I don't think you can really, like, it, uh, appreciate that part unless you go through the feelings and you go through the emotions and you go through what you know mentally <coughs> you have to do and lean yourself upon the Lord. Yeah. And I think it's that's the reason it says it the way it does there, and don't ask me to quote it because the thorn and Satan thing. It's kind of like my past it, and like even this situation I'm going through now, it's just I have to redirect my thinking and redirect who I lean on Yeah, and not to rely on other people but me and God. And right. The other side is boasting about it because you can pass that on to another person and be like, it's not going to be easy and I'm not going to say how it's going to turn out, but this is what I went through and I'm, you know, to be continued on my thing right now, but. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure he had to work through a lot here mm-hmm. because this was something that he dealt with on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I mean, he pleaded with God. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that the pleading wasn't pretty. Yeah. He probably didn't go, oh, by the way, God, if, you know, you happen to see fit to it, I'd like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> fix my flat tire, would you please? Oh, or, no. yeah, you know what I mean? I think it was probably pretty, uh, probably doing the ugly cry, you know. <laughs> but doesn't it say somewhere in the good book that God says he's not going to take away all those things because you have to go through them? But he'll be there to carry you or sure. something like that? Sure. I know it's somewhere in there. Sure. I've starting. Yeah. In fact, there, there's a there's a mentality within 12, the 12-step 12 world that God won't give you any more than you can handle. And that's I not biblical. I don't like that saying. That's not biblical. He'll give you much more than you can handle, <laughs> so you will lean on him to handle it. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, he won't put you under so much you can't bear it. I mean, you know, because he wants you to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like me, I'm stubborn, and he's going to yeah. be, like, throwing stuff. Be like, it, but that's in reference to temptation in the area of sin. No. It's not in reference to difficult times and difficulties. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. no. So I'm saying you're right. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. God doesn't like... remove that. Um, and, and sometimes he does. I mean, who are we to say? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, there there are times I'm sure God has removed certain things out of my life that I didn't even know were coming. I'm relatively sure of that. Mm. If I could actually see, you know, was able to see through the spiritual eyes of the Lord, I may be absolutely shocked and how close I've come to maybe even, you know, being six feet under mm. or or whatever. But what about this whole thing about strength being perfected in weakness? Marv, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, that's, mm. that's kind of rough, isn't it? Yeah, and... Uh... Honestly, I, I have a hard time understanding. I mean, I just do. And yeah. when you told me last night what the topic was going to be, I, I'm I'm just kind of, well, geez, you know, how do you? Uh, I just have I don't I don't have problems with it. I just don't quite right. get it. Do you, I, I, I just. I just don't quite get it. Do you it. think part of that is because, and I, I think we all probably struggle with it to a certain degree. I mean, do you think part of that is because our ways are not his ways? 
Oh, yeah. 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 What do you think, Brucey? Well, I think it's definitely true. And uh, I'd, I'd like to try to tie it in, if I could take a few minutes, to the 12 steps. You betcha. And uh, what I think we've been talking about, whether it's the gift of gift desperation or this thorn in your side, whether you, it's pride or something of that nature, or it's uh, your alcoholism, you know what I mean, that's beat you down, and you get this gift, you know what I mean, in, right. your, in your weakness of, def, of desperation. Step one, you're oh. powerless. Saying you, you know to absolutely understand that you're powerless. What that means is you can't go out and do anything about it. And everybody, what they, I believe they're doing over and over and over again is trying to conquer this alcoholism, this powerlessness that they have. True. Okay? On their own. On their own. But once you understand your powerlessness to the depths of your core, then you do these steps. And if they're done properly, what they are is a method to take a look at you not the rest of the world or your your spouse mm-hmm. or somebody, mm-hmm. for you can <clears throat> see your need for God. Mm-hmm. You know you have to have it, but now you want to take a good look at it. And you realize that he has to do something to even give you the ability to take an honest look at yourself. Yeah. That we don't even know our own hearts, much less somebody else's. Right. Yet we're telling people what they are. And we can use it in all of our affairs, too, no matter what it is. Exactly. Mm. So we understand our need for him. So then for the first time in our life, we go to him with a new attitude, a humbleness. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I'm not here to make plea bargains with you. Help. Mm -hmm. You know, I I need you. Mm -hmm. You see? And, I mean, that was the first time that ever happened to me, to go to him and know and see. He He exposed who I was. Not my sponsor, but who I was. And then I use that in all my affairs to take a look at me and say, I might need help with this. Right. See, then he starts getting the credit. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the big part, because I do believe we pay a part. Once he enters into or into our life because of our weakness, and we live out of the blessings that he's gave us, then we start to do his work. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? We're not working to change ourselves. We're working out of our blessings. Yeah. And out of that's what a lot of people call gratitude, you know, because, right. yeah, we're, we're, we're thankful today. And that's what I think I'm trying to do and that I've learned that this thing's all about. It's not about me doing something, mm. me going out and doing battle with this anymore. He's done, he's, he's conquered it for me. You see, right? And now I have I gave my life over to him, and he's teaching me how to be of service to people like he was of service to me. Sure, that's 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 all this is about. It's not it's not a big huge deal. I go to him. Sometimes he says, "Hey, come on, get to work on what you're doing out there." Right. You know, he'll keep care of it. And sometimes along the road, uh, because I do live here, I'm not part of the world, but I live here, Mm -hmm. uh, I go through some horrendous things. Mm -hmm. 
And when they become personal, when they're, when they're physical, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I get depressed. I have to go to him because, man, it'll conquer me if I, if I turn my eyes away from him. Mm-hmm. And you can read this book we call The Good Book and see that that happened to nation after nation you and bet. to Israel. That if they take their eyes off him, if they don't go by his path, you know what I mean? Right. So how important is it to you? If you really understand your hopelessness, the powerlessness of this thing, then you'll go to him. You won't go try. See, people want you to go out and try to change that conduct. Mm. And the book says that the spiritual part comes first. You know, that's the... That's the big thing. So, anyway, that's my little take on this, and it. I believe that strength does come out of weakness, but it's it's him when I recognize my need, uh, and then I understood that that uh, human beings on a whole, you know, mm-hmm. are uh, are kind of shady characters. Well, you have to do it daily too, not just like on when, like I just. To do, be like, oh, I'm going through this. Where's God? You know, I have to do it daily and be thankful for Him and turn to Him every day. You know, kind of like what we were talking about last week when right. you said that armor thing. Right. I've been trying to do it and I like play it on my phone yeah. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> I've actually been doing that the last very, very good. week yeah. since you did. I like that idea. I don't have it perfectly. Don't ask me to say it because I still need my phone to well, do it. Well, you know but... what? Sometimes and like... you never will because you won't keep running to him. Yeah. Because you'll turn back to the, what you used to do, and that's rely upon self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self will work. And, and I'll be real honest with you. Sometimes I walk around with the helmet of salvation on, and that is the only piece of armor I'm wearing. Oh, boy. And I forget. <laughs> I forget to, to have the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but hallelujah, the helmet's on, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'm not fully dressed for warfare. So maybe um, I'm just wondering how many other people are thinking the same thing similar to what I am but uh, I've read that before and I have pondered that before and I thought it was all pretty much in relationship to Paul's ability to preach the gospel Mm -hmm. not some kind of personal thing that uh, um, mean the thorn well strength and weakness Mm -hmm. right it gives him strength to preach the gospel, even though those that thorn in the flesh, whatever it may have been, um, was there and to keep him humble. But yet he had uh, extra strength, even in his weakness, to preach that gospel. And that's what I was thinking that was about. Well, and maybe it, I'm way off base. No, and I think you're right. I do too. I, I think <laughs> you're absolutely correct because I think that's what he was. That was his main call. That's so, why God changed it. So how do I, uh, I, I heard what Bruce was saying, but then uh, in the end result, uh, let's stay with the first step, even though I, you know, understand that I'm powerless and right. all this stuff, um, um, and, and that I am an alcoholic, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Even if I understand that, what... Uh, I, I don't. I'm missing something here. Something isn't clicking about how that involves with this particular scripture. I 
I don't, I'm well, missing it. One of the re- reasons I talk about this is because there's a lot of people in the church that say that you're actually discrediting God by saying you're an alcoholic. Because that means you're not healed and God heals you. And what I'm saying is there's that's a weakness in, in, in my physical being. I'm, I have this allergy to alcohol. And I have no problem saying and confessing my weakness in that area because it's in that weakness that God keeps me sober. That's right. And and, like and and being able to stay sober is absolutely necessary for me to be able to preach the gospel because I lose the effectiveness if I'm drinking. Mm. I tried that <laughs> at the bar. And, um, and, and a lot of us just stay in by our conduct. People see us and they come to us. And then we can lead them to Christ. You see what I mean? Right. But we're not, uh, like in the rooms, well, I'm not doing that. But on a one-on-one basis, I would hope that a person would understand and ask me about my faith. And I'm more than willing to tell him about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, know, That's where he, it comes into he, this. The, uh, he broadens his scope here, though, not just preaching the gospel. He says, therefore, I I am well content with weakness. But then he says, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. You got to remember. Well, I think that's the stuff that happened when he tried to preach the gospel. I agree. He was uh, persecuted. Yeah. So he's got this thorn in his side. And and I think it has something to do with a lot of people think it was his side or something. I think it has to do just normally with pride, mm-hmm. okay? But, I mean, that enabled him to go out. It's because of my alcoholism and that identification that I have now that I can go out and tell people about what's transpired with me. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting in the rooms telling people I came to the rooms so I'm cured and I came <laughs> to the rooms and I stay cured. I'm telling them I came here, somebody showed me these 12 steps, you know, they showed me the the thorn. I had this thorn, and they showed me the the solution that they used, and their biblical principles. Yeah, I don't think I'm going outside the Bible, and the way it transpired, what Marv talked about, it's a wonderful question. Is I I believe with Marv that he did this to preach the gospel. Well, I did it to tell him about Christ also. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and he he kept that there. It's there. I'm still an alcoholic. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm still persecuted and things like that, you know, for my beliefs. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, and I think I think you're right. I think the whole point Paul's making here is that he had this issue. It, it definitely, and I think this is why more people think it's pride than anything else, most theologians, is because uh, he, he talks about why he had all this knowledge and everything else. So, I mean, his tendency to boast was was strong. Um, but he was not going to be effective if he exalted himself. That's right. And God knew that, and God also knew that the only way he was going to keep him from exalting himself was to give him this thorn, and then in doing so, he would be effective in preaching the gospel, like you were saying. So what is the gospel that we're given to preach? What is the good news we're given to share? What is the persecutions we go through? Now, I, I've never been stuck in a cell that was no bigger than the height of this desk. <laughs> like Paul, I mean, the, you know, the, the prison cells he was in, he couldn't even stand up in. Ooh. I have never been shipwrecked. I have never been flawed with a cat of nine tails. He was on several occasions. None of that stuff's ever happened to me for the sake of the gospel. But what has? 
There, I, you know, and, and we can say that we identify with Paul in some areas because, you know, my prison has been some of the things that I've put myself through. My prison has been some of the persecutions some people have put on me. And, you know, can I stay humble? Can I preach the gospel? Can I share the good news of Jesus Christ um, without exalting myself, keeping in mind that um, it's these things in me, my alcoholism, my diabetes, all these things that actually can give me strength. Yeah. If you don't, if I don't stay humble and stay close to him, then all these things affect me. Right. You see what I mean? When, but because, see, that's where I, I see the strength as being so wonderful that it's in this weakness that he came and now he keeps me there in my need for him. It's, it's a wonderful thing to understand. So that's kind of where I'm comparing it. Is that, does that make more sense, Marv? At all? <laughs> well, just like it says well, in the promises, maybe we'll not regret the past nor wish shut the door on it. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, that's fine. You were saying? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, it makes sense to me. I... Well, let, let's sh- shift gears here for a minute. And, and, and in this weakness thing, talk about being disqualified. God, on a regular basis, chooses people that other people would consider disqualified. Oh. And look at the apostles. <laughs> I mean, these guys are knuckleheads, you know, and the Pharisees wouldn't certainly wouldn't choose these guys to be spiritual leaders. But Jesus does that. And, and, and you know, we think a lot of times I've thought before, well, I, I'm just not qualified. I'm too weak. I'm not strong in my weakness. I'm too weak. I'm getting older. I, I don't have the ability. I, I just don't have the patience of God. Why would you choose? And God will ask me to do something. And I argue with him. I just, I can't, I can't do that. I just don't have the ability, God. And he reminds me, ah, but in your weakness, you're strong. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to provide that strength for you. If I call you to it, I will make it, I'll make the strength that is required available to you. And so looking back and going that's back. That's where your spiritual training comes that's in. That's where it comes in. And looking back in the Old Testament in Exodus, referring to Moses. Now, here's something that's very interesting about this guy. Let me read this to you. God is about ready to show Moses an amazing miracle. Because God is about ready to call Moses to do something that Moses does not think he has the strength for. Yeah, he he thinks he's weak. He doesn't have the ability to. And, and this is what he says. This is in Exodus chapter 4. Um, you, uh, the Lord said to him, what is, it then, what, is, what is that in your hand? Then he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and, and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. So first of all, God uses things that we already have. Moses had a stick. Just a stick. It's a walking stick. And I can't, I can't, I can't answer this call that you're calling me to God. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to use what you already got. So that's one of the things he does. Um, then he, then he asks, and later on, he, he asks Moses to actually put his hand inside of his cloak and then pull it out. And, and Moses does. And his hand is like leprosy. It is rotting on the bone. 
And then God says, put your hand back in your pocket and pull it out. And Moses does, and it's complete, like nothing ever happened to it. So God has just proved to Moses, look it, I'm in control. I got your back. I got your back. So Moses has seen the miracles of God, right? And how many times have we seen these things and still say, yeah, but I'm too weak. Um, Moses said to, to the Lord, I have never been eloquent because he tells him, he says, I want you to talk to the people. So Moses goes right to it and says, I can't talk. I have never been eloquent, neither uh, in uh, now or in my past, um, for I am slow to speech and heavy in tongue. That very well mean could mean that Moses said, talked like this. Hi, Tanya, I can't, I can't communicate well. Mm. Did he have a stutter? Did he have a problem with a thick tongue? Whatever. And, and God's telling him, I'm asking, I'm providing the way. Now, what happens here in this story is Moses puts up such a fight about it, God gives in to him and says, okay, fine. How about your brother Aaron? And so what he does is he gives Aaron to Moses as his mouthpiece. And what happens later, Aaron stabs him in the back. When we don't follow God and believe what he says when he calls us to something, sometimes he'll allow us to compromise and he'll end up biting us. Yeah. Oh. I, I love that part where he he did that. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you something. I mean, where he gave him Aaron, but he... Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And check this out. If you want to tick God off, keep arguing with him that you can't do what he's asking you to do. Mm Because it says right here in verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron? He's ticked. Fine. We'll we'll get Aaron. Because see, God knew what had happened with Aaron. There's going to be compromise. Mm -hmm. But I am telling you that here is a man... You want to talk about an emotional wreck. Think about Moses' life. Abandoned as a child, doesn't really know what nationality he's from. Is he, is, is he an Israelite? Is, is he an Egyptian? What is he? He's going back and forth, back and forth. The guy's got emotional issues. He must. And then he's spending all these years with the sheep. He kills somebody. Yeah, he murders somebody. And then he's with sheep for God knows how long. And here, here comes the creator of the universe and says, um, I'm going to use you to, get my people. to deliver the people out of bondage. And then, you know, the rest of the story, it didn't happen the way it is in Charlton Heston's version, but uh, mm-hmm. quite that way, but pretty close. Uh, but I'm just saying that it's in our weakness that God has made strong. He didn't go to, he could have gone to Pharaoh. And converted Pharaoh like he did Paul. Mm. And then had Pharaoh, who had all this influence and all this power, deliver the people. But he didn't. He went to Moses, who couldn't do zip. Mm -hmm. That's where his strength was showing. Because if you stop and look and see what, what, what God did in the midst of that and how he brought the people out. And he told them, remember, I'm the God that brought you out. But what did the people do? They forgot. Yeah. Kind of like people like us. Yes, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> was that a good thing or was Yeah, was no, that's thing? exactly right. it. Are, are that's we what not I was like thinking yeah. the whole time. You know, so I look at, it's called the Old Testament. Old Testament. Right? And I'm thinking, is it really? <laughs> Isn't it current? 
isn't this the very people we are? Oh, yes. That's, huh. I'm going through the Old Testament right now, and it, if you can't see Christ running through it, then there's something wrong. Yeah, he's all, mm-hmm. he's all in it, he, he, you know. But, you know, the whole idea here is is if you feel disqualified, you're probably qualified, more qualified than you think. See, um, not everybody thinks that way. No, they don't. It's Unless backwards. I'm a circuit speaker for AA, I'm not carrying the AA message. Want to bet? It, it's backwards. It's upside down and backwards. <clears throat> right. It really, really is. To, to be humble instead of, you know, hey, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and try it again. You know, right. they, they taught us yeah. this mm-hmm. to do these things. And now we're in a situation where it says, humble ourselves and see our need. If you see your hopelessness... If you see it, you'll go to God with a different attitude, I'm telling you. Well, yeah, and society just likes to throw people like us away. God does not need our help. Yeah. We yeah, need society his. does like to do that. He but asked God, us. But God's got a bigger plan. Yeah. He, he asked us to do his you know, His will, not ours. Yeah. <clears throat> I just wish more people would see that. Look how, look how Jesus entered, entered in the, triumph, the story of the triumphant entry. He shows up on a donkey. Not on a white stallion like the Romans did. And the Jews are looking for that. They're looking for a military deliverer. And God comes in. And by the way, that donkey in the story, it says it was a cult, which meant in in New Testament terms, it meant that it had never been ridden. And so you're talking about, and and Marv, you can identify with this, right? You're talking about (laughs) an unbroken animal. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus gets on this stubborn donkey and it's calm. And it's a symbol of humility. And he comes in, he comes into the triumphant entry into the into the holy city, you know. And he's bringing, he, he's totally opposite of what they're looking for. And mm-hmm. that's what we we're looking for: all this power and strength and and and, and promise and uh, potential and you know uh, these positions of authority and awards and all this stuff. And God's saying, "Oh, that's all fine and good." But it's in your weakness that you're strong. Yeah. And it's through all through, and, and like I said in the beginning I, of the I, show, even if you're not a believer, it just makes sense. I mean, this is common sense stuff I, that seems so uncommon sense. I struggled with addiction for so many years that I would never I just don't have it in me to wish that upon somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I look at it and I say, That's what put me in the position I yeah. am today. God used my greatest defect. To right. turn my life over. It's in all of that that he came and uh, uh, showed his strength. It's his strength. That's why I don't give credit to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If somebody comes to me and I can be an example, it's only because of what God has done in me. You I know? really hope somebody listens to the show and like changes their mind about people in addiction and alcoholism. Sure. Because there's a lot of misconceptions. And I just got it just now. Duh. So. That's good? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You can't, I can't tell you how many times I go out and kept trying to change myself instead of having, changing from the inside out, you know, the spiritual life mm-hmm. and have it in effect of my beliefs and my attitude, all of that, you know, and my conduct. Yeah. And I was trying to change the conduct. Mm-hmm. Now, right. I'm not saying that we can't knock some of that off, but you know, maybe there's some of it, just maybe, 
that we can't. Yeah. And if that's true, then you're going to preach, you're going to approach God, you know, really with a whole different heart. A whole different heart. And that's how he changes us. Yeah. He has to do something to the human heart, or I don't even think we can see these things. You know, that's my personal belief. Don't no, that, no, 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 no. That was more on point than you know. So the uh, Christian artist Keith Green, who passed away several years ago in, a, in an accident, um, uh, wrote a song called My Eyes Are Dry. And the lyrics are, my eyes are dry, my prayers are old, my heart is hard, my faith is cold. I, I may have the verses backwards, but you get the, you get the <laughs> point. Um <laughs> And and what can be done for a cold heart like mine? Soften it up with your oil and wine. Uh, wine is a symbol of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to close with this song because it is v- a very humble, humble song. Now, he's not beating himself up as much as it sounds like he may be. He's just recognizing where he is in his life. And he that's what he would write about, where he was in his life at the time. And this is where he just recognizes really where he has to lean and where his strength strength comes from. Keith Green, My Eyes Are Dry. My eyes are dry My faith is old My heart is hard my prayers are cold and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me My faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you. That's Keith Green with My Eyes Are Dry. If that feels like you right now, listen, remember, it is in your weakness that you gain strength because in your weakness, that's when you begin to depend on your creator. And in that, you become strong. I know it's upside down and backwards, but it absolutely is the truth. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. Burden down.
This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs>